Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Gord Rand, a Dora-winning stage actor and playwright whose screen credits include Maps to the Stars, Combat Hospital, Durham County, Killjoys, Pure, and Orphan Black, where he played sinister detective Marty Duco. He'll be seen later this month opposite Carolina Barchak in An Audience of Chairs, and his first feature as a writer-director, an adaptation of his stage play Pond Life, makes its world premiere in Toronto on Friday, March 22nd at the Canadian Film Fest. Gord picked The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's 1980 adaptation of the Stephen King novel about a family torn apart by an isolated winter at a haunted hotel high in the Colorado Rockies. I mean, obviously there's more to it, but what else really needs to be said? You've got Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and Danny Lloyd in a great big empty space, trapped with each other and whatever else is inside. And there is something in there. Kubrick makes sure of it. This is someone else's movie. Uh, the Shining is the scariest movie I had ever seen. And I don't, I don't know if I've seen a scarier one since. Okay, good start. And I saw it when I was 14, I think. And, uh, yeah, I just I thought, I thought it was brilliant. And I, I watched sort of as much Kubrick as I could and found them all kind of terrifying and some of them funny but mostly like I think Clockwork Orange was probably the next one okay and that you know when you're 14, 15 year old boys <laughs> means something to you and I don't know what it does but it means it meant something to me and my friends in some way we all dressed up like droogs for Halloween that was a disturbing okay. moment that's one of those things where when you're young enough to not really fully understand yeah it. no you're kind of just getting like the whole anarchic spirit of it and going like whoa and then kind of it's choosing to ignore the things that are really deeply disturbing about it. But I've watched that one a couple of times. That one is hard to go back to. The Shining is easy to go back to because it's 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 compelling. Um, it's just like um, it's like a it's like a it's kind of perfect. It's just kind of perfect. Yeah, I'm you know? I'm kind it's of fascinated mean. by the mean is a good mean. way to put it. It's like it's. Uh, and I watched it the probably the time I, I hadn't watched it for a while. Then probably I was like thirty, mid, maybe mid thirties, early thirties. And I was in Ottawa, doing a play, and I had my day off. And The Shining was on for some reason at two in the afternoon, and it was like August. A theatrical screening, like an actual, like on um, probably a cable, like a, oh, some okay. kind of cable channel. So it was on TV, right? So I watched it in my hotel room. And it was kind of like watched the last half. And it was like oh, a great movie. And then sure enough, I went to sleep, and I woke up in the middle of the night, terrified. <laughs> and I was like, I watched it in the middle of the day with the sun shining. I was on like a bright summer August day in Ottawa, and it still managed to tweak me, and I've seen it I don't know how many times. So That's there's good. something about it that works very intensely. Yeah, I um, it's always been around for me. I was 12 uh-huh. when it came out and uh, didn't see it for a few years. But the I remember being terrorized by the television spots, which were yeah. you know just mostly built up out of with the Steadicam shots of... of Nicholson and Duval running through the maze and cuts to and it's in the trailer as well I later discovered cuts to Danny Lloyd looking just that weird shot of him looking stark and terrified in the center of the frame and it was almost an impressionistic assault in the marketing campaign that I remember being really impressed by it took me a while to come around to watching the thing I remember seeing it in the because I, when did they come out? 1980, 81 maybe? 80, Christmas 1980 Christmas 1980 so I can remember seeing an ad for it in the newspaper 
And it was the one where it's the, the block letters of The Shining, and then it's kind of got a bit of a stylized Danny face going, right, like terrifying. I don't know. I guess it's Shelley Duvall's face, probably. I mean, it's almost card. Do you remember? That I remember it being Danny's. But yeah, Maybe it, it was Danny's. It's, it's very stylized, also. It's sort but of it's like, like a just sort of a terrified screen face, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of. I remember that kind of striking me. But was there also not a trailer that was just the blood? Oh, the elevators. Yeah. The, the elevators open. The up. teaser is just the elevators spilling blood out yeah. into the hallway. And that's. I think that's on the latest Blu ray edition. And it's one of those things that. Um, robbed of context seems silly but if you see mm. that in a dark theater in the middle of you know like, and you're not expecting yeah. it it's yeah. Yeah. it's both atmospheric and incredibly unnerving and yeah. it it gets across a lot of the movie's mood yeah it's sure sort does. of oversized spectacle and and the impossible thing that's happening in it yeah. but and how did they shoot it yeah <laughs> like, still, like, i always assumed it was a miniature just because of the way it? the water moves the blood moves oh you think the it's got that heavy liquid yeah. thing to it that right. you get when it, when you're dealing with miniatures right but i also wouldn't put it past stanley kubrick to flood a hotel set right because <laughs> right. he would do that he was a he was a committed filmmaker and he would do i watched in preparation for this podcast i watched the uh vivian kubrick i think it's a half hour mm, the set footage yeah yeah and it's awesome but uh, they do have they they sort of hint at the elevator and then they show the mopping up blood outside the elevator. I was like, oh, they, she's suggesting that they actually filled those elevators with blood and opened them up on the set. I don't know. You would figure if they did, she'd have the camera there for it. Yeah, you think so? Maybe it would have been destroyed. But they didn't. It was on YouTube, and they didn't show. They would show the preparation for the clip, like they showed Kubrick going underneath and getting a shot of uh, Nicholson in the cupboard. You know, he's trying to get out. He's kind of convinced her to get out. And then they want to show. You see that they're going to the clip for the. For the documentary, but they mm-hmm. can't show it. I don't know whether they. Oh, that's interesting. She cut it out, or he, somebody cut it out. Whether it was just YouTube, they didn't allow YouTube to put it on any scenes from the movie because they cut out all the scenes from the movie that were in it. I wonder. I I would also. That's the like the beauty of of anything Kubrick did is that now you can look back and think, well, he had to have a reason because every yeah. every decision was so yeah. completely justified yeah. in the moment. So, so the legend goes right, right. and. Uh, I, I, my most vivid memory of it, though, is, is reading Stephen King writing about it over uh-huh. and over again, and, and King hated it, yeah. um, rejected it. He, he said that, how did he put it? It was the, the work of someone who'd never, either never seen a horror movie or didn't understand how they worked, right. which I find really interesting because, yeah, yeah absolutely, the, the novel The Shining is a psychological thriller. It's about a man who is haunted by himself and his mm-hmm. past. The movie is much more overt about the overlook being an active participant, um, yes. I think King said that if the you know if you look back at the book, there's nothing that happens in the book that's supernatural except the refrigerator being unlocked yeah. and, and Jack getting out. Yeah. But he also really didn't like the idea that Nicholson played Jack Torrance as unhinged from the beginning. Mm. That um, it's clear he's waiting to go crazy. Mm. But I think that's I mean if if. If it's 1979 and you cast Jack Nicholson in a horror movie, mm-hmm. then you're telling the audience what kind of movie it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's actually, maybe it's not King's vision, but it's a great way of telegraphing mm-hmm. and creating tension right away. There's never any question. Mm-hmm. Things are going to go badly for this family. Yeah. I was interested when I watched it the other day because I was trying to think of how, how that character development happens for uh, Jack Torrance and how Jack Nicholson plays him because that interview scene is so kind of like tight and awkward and but uh i mean, i saw I, I think yeah he's definitely going crazy but he's also just a very stressed out man who's facing like 
seems like he's facing a, a marriage he doesn't want to be in, a child he doesn't really want to have, yeah. and a failed writing career. And so he's extremely frustrated. So it's only when he goes to the Overlook that he goes crazy. Before that, he's just a very frustrated kind of guy that you don't want your daughter to be married to. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah. He just finds all his demons just you know served up to him at the Overlook. Yeah. Well, the Overlook gives him the means and the opportunity, right? Because yeah, whatever happens, no one will ever know the truth. Yeah. If, if he decides to slaughter everybody. Yeah. And yeah, Nicholson. I don't think I don't think either book Jack or movie Jack is hmm. um, planning to do murder. Right. But he isn't repulsed by the opportunity. No, he certainly isn't. Yeah, in the book it's much more of a, he's he's battling the alcoholism uh-huh. and he's trying to be dry and trying to, right. to be a good husband and, right. and father right. because it's it's um, it's suggested, it's I mean, it's pretty much overt in the book that when he was drunk he broke Danny's arm. Right. Somehow. Right. And in the film it's a little bit less, mm-hmm. I don't remember if there's any actual detail about it. No. We just understand that he was bad and now he's better. Yeah. And the 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 thing that Kubrick brings to it is the just his choice of framing, just mm-hmm. just pinning mm-hmm. people in the center mm-hmm. and making them like like bugs on a wall mm-hmm. and making them suffer while we watch. Mm-hmm. It's simultaneously a sympathetic choice for Jack and also just look at this guy. He's yeah. he's a ticking time bomb. Yeah, you are watching it take place. Like it is like a. I was fascinated by Grand Guignol for a long time. You know, the old mm. theater, the theater, the, the murder theater, basically. Yeah, yeah. French. What was it like the eighteen nineties yeah. or something? Yeah, and I did I did a, an adaptation of one when I first came to Toronto, two thousand or something, and it was just brutal. Like it was basically you're gonna watch this thing happen, and it's gonna be it's a horror show. Like you're just gonna it's gonna be relentless and it's gonna be horrible. And that's kind of what I feel like the spirit of that movie is. Is it's kind of like you say, it pins on a like pins through a bug. It's just like you are watching this inevitable thing that's going to happen. And by the end, every time I watched it, like well, the reason I was a little bit late today, I was just watching the very end of it, and I was like, there's only one murder in this thing, and I always forget that. Yeah. It's just Scatman Crothers gets murdered. Yeah. The family gets away, and of course he dies. But it's so. Uh, it's so menacing though, all the time, and the, and the transition too. I love like the transition into his hallucination is so kind of fluid and oh, the, the, I just love it. Like seeing the bar, yeah. When he kind of he puts his hand, I do so my goddamn soul for a glass of beer. <laughs> Opens his face and there's Lloyd in front of him and getting him a drink. It's like it's there's something that's so like delicious about it. It's so it's going for a ride with a maniac it's yeah. so nice you know it's just great yeah yeah it's a it's that great devil's bargain too like you get whatever you want you just have to do this one little thing for me yeah yeah and it's yeah murder your family hey yeah. I mean again it's it's the Simpsons now has sort of broken the show yeah. by making yeah. that perfect yeah. eight minute parody of yeah. it yeah yeah it was brilliant yeah and uh the movie just refuses to be parodied. Yeah. Watching it again, it's, you know, no, you kind of want to snicker at it. It's but. Still, no, it's, 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 I thought it, I, I personally found it very, very serious movie. Like, there's one, the one thing that struck me too is he's talking to Lloyd, and he, he pulls out, he, second time he comes to the bar and there's the whole ballroom scene and he comes up and orders a drink, pulls out his wallet, he's like, I'm temporarily light. And he always says, your money's no good here. Well, I kind of want to know who's buying me drinks. Yeah. It's on the house. So who who is the house? He says, you don't need to know that right now. 
And of course, if, you're, if he's going into his mind, like I thought, like if he's, if he's sort of going on this psychotic trip into right. his own mind and he's trying to find justification for the insanity that he's feeling, his mind is letting him off the hook and going like, don't even ask questions about why you're having these murderous thoughts. Just go ahead, do yeah. them, do them. How hard can it be? <laughs> how Look how easy this is. Yeah. yeah Every yeah. step of the way. You know, it's like, this is great. I'm hearing a lot of sirens. Assuming they're going to pass, but they're not coming here. Yeah, as long as they're not coming for us. This isn't conspiracy. This is we're just, we're just talking. We're just talking. That's right. But but it's the perfect time to be talking about The Shining, where winter starts yeah. and never ends. Yeah, I think it just it doesn't end. The movie yeah. is still in the the grip of it when the film is yeah. over. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, he shot this in England. Uh, that's not yeah. snow. It's salt. Yeah. It's uh, it's fascinating. The, this whole the mania of Stanley Kubrick and in 1980 had reached the point where if he didn't want to travel, they wouldn't make him. Yeah, right. And so we get this. We get this yeah. weird representation. And I think it's it's bizarre, but it works better maybe than real snow because it doesn't feel totally real. You can tell the weight of it is wrong and yeah. the sense that the actors are straining to get through this weird physical terrain. Yeah actually plays into the whole nightmarish aspects yeah, of it and the, the yeah. dreamlike and the way the hedge is rhymed like with snow it's mm-hmm. like it's very fairy tale kind of thing yeah yeah it's great and this the maze as well you know like especially Jack Nicholson with his eyebrows and stuff and his real hardcore kind of hedral male energy yeah. <laughs> like it's like he is the minotaur like he is gonna yeah he's gonna go bonkers for sure yeah it's funny how yeah. now that you mention it it's kind of funny that no one ever really looks at The Shining as, a, as an early example of the, the whole toxic masculinity thing because yeah, that's right. really what it's about it when, sure you, is, when you were yeah. saying earlier about how he seems unhappy in his life his yeah. job all of his positions and he's compromising and that's effectively the blueprint right like so, it's yeah. somebody who doesn't want to be where he is and comes up with so. a violent solution yeah so and blames blames everybody but him yeah he's, he's like, I think he says we're just before he storms out he's like you fucked up my life for the last time and it's just so ugly and it's a domestic drama that goes wrong yeah like yeah. it's really awful like he slams out to the bar and he's like it is it's just and that, I think that's one of the reasons why it is it, it works as a horror no matter what is that you're watching something that's recognizable turn yeah that's why I kind of take issue with that idea that it's like he's I've heard that before like he's crazy from the beginning he's like I don't think he's actually crazy I think he, he looks like a, a dude to me he looks like a yeah. a lot of dudes that I you know we all know but they don't get trapped in a you know yeah, like get infected by ghosts and, and yeah. murder their wives and children but they are the frustration and that kind of like you know violent edge to it I mean yeah, a little hockey rank. You're gonna see those guys. Like, yeah, it's the stewing. It's the the sense that there's like one thing they could do over that would fix everything, or yeah. one opportunity that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And those things are, I mean, maybe that's true. Yeah. Maybe there is a point in time where, you know, they made whole movies about this in the '80s. If you, you just stop that goal or something, you would have been a better person. Uh-huh. But then it becomes the no one ever in in these situations both in in literature and in the world as far as mm-hmm. i can tell in real life nobody ever makes the next step which is that okay so that didn't work what do i do instead you mm-hmm. just fixate on the failure and mm-hmm. never get past it and mm-hmm. the the like the, the great and disturbing thing about the shining about this version of the shining is that when you finally see this masterpiece he's been slaving over he's not it's just you know it's the same sentence over and over again he's not yeah. writing a great thing he's not expressing yeah. himself 
at all. No, I know. He has nothing to say. Yeah. So even if he had the career, it would have, it wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have lasted. He, yeah. He's a he's maybe by that point he's an empty vessel because the overlook is working through him. But I think that's no. But there's something else the there, bigger, yeah. sicker joke of it, right? Is that he yeah. doesn't have the potential that he thinks he has, and no. that's the most self-destructive thing. Yeah. And to to write that, like to write pages and pages and pages in different patterns, and and yeah. re- realizing that he's writing sometimes no no work and. Or uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy as like a footnote or as a kind of indented quote. It's yeah. just like, what? Isn't there like a Christmas tree saying? shape at one point where he's just clearly amusing himself? Yeah, there's a couple of those. That, that, and it, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's total madness. But yeah, there is something like, there isn't, that he is, he is empty here. There is a, there is nothing to him. Yeah. And Nicholson's great at that because he has the surface charisma and he has the energy. Yeah, 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 you can yeah. see how this guy yeah. would sucker people in. Yeah, uh, he, you see it happen at the very beginning. Where was it? Ullman, the the um, the hotel manager, just he just wants a body in there. It doesn't matter yeah. that this guy. I mean, as no, long I as I, I assume you know, I have a family. That's good because you know that'll yeah. keep you sane. Yeah. You just have to walk through some rooms and pull levers and make sure nothing yeah. catches on fire. Yeah, and that's not an overqualified position no like he's he's gonna be fine no. except of course that he's except not. for the and of course the hotel too yeah. everybody's gotta leave and and uh and the great line where he says like so there's one thing i just need to tell you which is what happened in 1970 when yes you know, our caretaker murders as well he murdered them he murdered them and dismembered them it's really graphic description of it jack nicholson like you're like well how's he gonna react it's like well i can see why you want to tell me and i can see why your higher-ups wanted you to tell me <laughs> he kind of like laughs it off yeah but it's social you skills. know they leave them too, and you get, you know they, when they leave them, I think like oh they're, they're it's just sacrificial lamb because no nobody stays like even you know Scatman Carruthers yeah. who, who's got like who's got the shining and knows they're sitting around with the hotel. <laughs> yeah, there's that's the thing that the the that's the thing, the magical Negro thing that King uses uh-huh. is you know in the Green Mile and in this where there's a black character oh, who, okay. who is sacrificed to the white family's salvation, although right. you know. Um, Halloran doesn't die in, in the book oh, okay. um, but Kubrick seems to understand that that's his purpose right I mean I remember people were really pissed at the time it's like well he gets all, he goes all that way and he just gets an accident it's just yeah. It's like yeah because the movie is hopeless yeah, the book yeah, isn't yeah. but the movie that's a Stanley Kubrick thing yeah, right yeah, you, you yeah. do all the effort and it amounts to not only nothing but you die yeah, uh, yeah. immediately and like he gets you right in the heart walks in the door <laughs> boom dead <laughs> But Crothers is so good in his early scenes with with Danny Lloyd that yeah. you just you you feel that presence and then yeah. he he shouldn't you should be upset when Halloran dies yeah. like it's it's not a betrayal of the material it's a no. betrayal of the audience's expectations yeah um, and when it happens uh, I I have I have been told I'm, I'm I think I've either read this or someone actually saw it in the theater and didn't know, I can't remember if this story has been related to me or if I've just read it, but someone who hadn't read the book saw the film and watched Halloran, that that scene was absolutely, it was described as like screaming in terror because yeah. that's not right. Yeah. And that's yeah, exactly yeah. how it should be. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in horror movies, we're, on some level, we're kind of rooting for the deaths because it's a horror movie that's the yeah. genre, that's what you're there to see. Yeah. And I think it's kind of amazing to have Stanley Kubrick make this movie and have a character just dispatched so yeah. mercilessly and make us feel it, make us yeah. just cringe at the moment. Yeah. 
And it really is terrifying. Yeah. Like when Nicholson just bursts around the corner and yeah. whacks him. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. H- had you had you read the book before you saw no, it? No, no, I've never, never read so the book, actually. How that, now. Yeah. How did that feel to you? Um... Well, I haven't read it, so I don't. I've only heard the. I've only heard the sort of stories. But about. seeing it in, in the moment when it happened, like, did it feel like part of like the natural point in the story? Absolutely. That... I mean, I mean, I I can barely remember probably what my what my first initial reaction to anything in that movie was, except mm. for just being a gog at it. But I would always laugh at. Uh, I used to do um for charity down at the Shaw Festival. We used to do. Uh, there was a fair and fet where you would, you know, have different things going on. Nigel Sean Williams and I would do death scenes. So you go into like a little alcove and we'd they'd say, "What death scene do you want to see? Who do you want to see that?" And so we would offer up suggestions. We would be Scatman Crothers from The Shining, <laughs> and it was our longest death scene because we act out everything, you know. And then finally you'd get there, and the death was like immediate, and you know, and uh, we we really pushed we pushed Scatman Crothers' death for sure because it was so funny. I mean, it was like. You know, that build-up is so... And he's so sympathetic. And he is the guy who you're like, thank God Danny met him because Danny is so alone. And then Scott McCrothers says, you, you think you're the only one who can do this? And then I realized this time, too, that the whole concept of The Shining, I, I, I never realized before that I think that Nicholson has The Shining, that Torrance has The Shining. Yeah, some version of it. Yeah, but he what he sees, he loves. And what Danny sees, he's terrified of. Yeah. And that for some, that's some like the father son thing in The Shining is very intense as well. I think like because he clearly hates his son. He hates yeah. him in some weird like for whatever reason he hates his son. Something to do I don't know with I don't know whatever resentment. I'm not sure. But uh, the fact that they both have this sixth sense, but it's with Danny, it's really it's really brought out. Like they make sure that you know that about him. Whereas Jack seems you know he obviously sees the ghosts and. And I always forget that the Overlook interferes. Like, even this time I was watching, I was like, oh, this is his psychology. He's having hallucinations. I can understand how his hallucinations relate to his psychosis. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, how does he get out of that cupboard? Yeah. And then you hear the voice. I'm like, is he still hallucinating? Like, oh, and then they let him out of the cupboard. That's right. And also, Danny gets assaulted by the corpse in room 237. Yes. Which is sort of... And that even, you can kind of go, well, maybe... Jack did that because yeah, you know, there's no off-screen time. You don't see. Yeah, I remember. I remember the first time I saw the movie, being really frustrated by the things that we aren't shown. Yeah, and how because I'd read the book and uh-huh. I was up on it. Yeah. and yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean, I know I kind of know what happened, but then I realized that King doesn't show it either. Right. Um, it's discre- like there's there's this cliffhanger of a of a chapter ending where the woman in the room grabs Danny and then it cuts to I think it's a flashback the next the next chapter is a story about Jack's past uh-huh. and then Danny shows up with this wound uh-huh. and yeah it's possible that even then that because we're going back into Jack's past that you could read it as some sort of fugue state where Jack is thinking about something else and assaulting his son yeah right 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 but the movie doesn't even give us that it's no. just he shows up hurt and, and Wendy two, freaks out. Room two three seven is a different phantom too. It's it's not the phantom of the girls, which he sees down the hallway. And mm-hmm. there's like it, it's the woman in the tub. It's yeah. the woman in the tub who appears as a seductress to Jack. Yeah, but not to Danny. Yeah, and turns into a hag with Jack as well. Which yeah. is so. 
It's great. yeah, it's this so great. pure primal unnerving thing. It is, yeah. I like these, and I was listening to it on headphones because, like I said, I came home late to watch it. So I was listening to it through my son's watching on this PlayStation. I was listening through his headphones while the kids were sleeping downstairs. So I was getting real dose of the music. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to immerse so yourself in this film. Late at night and it's with the, headphones. Yeah, and the sound is so the music he uses is there's nothing. Nobody's ever done anything like that. Nobody's originated. I mean, I, I feel like he's. You I mean you know better than I would, but I feel like that's his that kind of clockwork orangey kind of yeah. Like well, it's fucking with the classics and bringing it through a weird '60s kind of synthesizer and how off-putting that all is. Like it's yeah. so, it's so I don't know what it's off-putting. Yeah. Very off-putting. He's always had the ability to use sound to his own horrible design. Yeah. Even the the way yeah. the aliens sound in two thousand and one at the very yeah. end of the film with the strange kind of. It's a shriek, or it's a cello string, or it's something uh-huh, like a uh-huh. moan that you can't fully understand. Yeah, right. Um, and then, yeah, Clockwork Orange playing with the classics, and, and yeah. Um, then Barry Lyndon, where it was just very, you know, sort of conventional chamber music, but yeah, right. almost sarcastically, yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah. And then to to get to this, where yeah, it's wrong. It, there's yeah. something wrong about yeah. it. He does such in, in, in patterns. I mean, the, the the design is so amazing. I kind of like seventies patterning, the carpet, wallpaper, yeah. and just how he fills a shot with color. One particular color, you know, blue or those kind of like a lot of red mm-hmm. geometric. That real sixties, still that sixties kind of poppy kind of. Yeah. Like it's uh, very striking and artificial, and I kind of go like, what world are we in? Like we're not. We're in the world, you know. And then he uses like when he shifts from he shifts from the interview back to Danny, and he's like, he's got suddenly you go to Danny's room, and and he sort of frames it with like stickers on the door, and it's all round, it's all soft, and they show Danny with his sort of soft hair, and he's on the pillows, and he's waking up, and he's so vulnerable. That kid is so beautifully vulnerable. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's just, and they're both. I mean, Shelley Duvall is completely. Completely vulnerable, just sort of so, you know. Yeah, we haven't really talked about her yet, and physically weak. She's frail. She looks like a keen yeah. doll with yeah. huge eyes. And yeah, and it's so it's an evil casting, but perfect. Like it's, she is like her performance is absolutely amazing in it, and it's like, but it's it's like it's, I just think it's like, there's no. I mean, Kubrick is a perfectionist, and there is no quarter with Kubrick. Like, he goes, if I'm Jack Nicholson, have him kill Shelley Duvall, or try to kill her, and have him try to kill this beautiful little kid. Like, perfect. Yeah. You've got to have your victims. have got to be, you really not want, don't want to see them die. Yeah. Like, you really don't want to see it. Yeah, and, and given that, what is it, almost two full hours of the film is just those three people. Yeah, yeah. And with the occasional ghost. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah. They never interact with them all together, and they're, yeah. there's just like it's two on it's one on one two yeah. shots, and, yeah. and yeah. the pairings of it, the, yeah. the Jack and Wendy, Jack and Danny, yeah. Danny and Wendy, yeah. they're almost never all together. Yeah. And if they are, then the yeah. then, then Jack is isolated within the frame. That's and, right. And That's interesting. Started, yeah. yeah. Right. And there's this weird visual thing going on that the Shining makes Danny frightened, mm-hmm. and so he starts to pull away. But also, Wendy starts to look sick. I mean, mm-hmm. she just she looks wan and wasted before yeah. they get there. But she seems to get worse while they're mm-hmm. there because she's bored. There's nothing to do. She sleeps yeah. a lot. Yeah. While Jack is off being manic at the typewriter. Yeah. And you get the sense that all three of them are reacting to the hotel's energy in different ways. Yeah. And now we know that it's just 
Kubrick wearing Duvall down with like, <laughs> 90 takes. Yeah. And nobody else had the same, quite the same treatment. Like, uh-huh. Nicholson had his energy up for all of these takes, and yeah. she's just receding and receding and receding. Yeah. And somebody told me, who was it? Oh, it was Carla Gugino said that when she was shooting San Andreas, there was this, um, this big effect scene that they did it in one take and it was mostly CG but she's running through all these collapsing frames and stages trying to avoid the building that's collapsing underneath her mm-hmm. and she said she it made her reconnect to her theater training where your body doesn't know you're acting Yeah. so you come back from a day and you have to remind yourself that you didn't spend the whole day not dying yeah. that, that it was just work Yeah. and yeah, with yeah. Duval, I think you can see it you yeah. can see her carrying this exhaustion yeah uh, and it's great for the performance because it yeah. puts us on her side immediately. Yeah. Incredibly sympathetic, but dear God, yeah. it could not have been a fun yeah. job. No, I mean, I think they shot for 13 months or something. Like, yeah. I mean, you know better than I would, but like, yeah, something like 100. And, I mean, I was, just, I was just looking at it the other day, researching it for this. Like I said, I didn't realize it is 137 takes of the discovery of the novel and the subsequent, yeah. like, bat battle. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, no, I mean, it gets nightmarish. It's like, uh, like yeah, it's it's yeah. It would be it would be it would be very tough. And what can you very give tough. on take seventy that you couldn't give on take fifty? I think just the exhaustion, point. the exhaustion of it. I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But there's something about his perfection that is like there is. There's very little, very little piece of art. There's very little that's flawed about that movie. I think <clears throat> it's pretty perfect. <clears throat> there's not a lot. I mean, that's that's my opinion anyway. I think it's you know. It's pretty great. Yeah. It's hard to yeah. dismiss, right? Like, it doesn't... No. I think King is right. I don't think it is a horror movie as we understand mm-hmm. them, but I think that's why it works. Yeah. And he's the one person in the world who couldn't appreciate that because he's too close... He's literally, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's too close to the And material. it's a different kind of horror from him. It's it's yeah. a, it's kind of... I, I feel like it's it's British or something. There's something like... that's just not... It's absolutely unsentimental. Mm. And it doesn't... I don't think it. I mean, it doesn't seem to luxuriate in it either. It luxuriates in tension rather than like, you know, blood. I mean, yeah. I think about American horror. It's not. It's. I think it's sort of less. It's less uh, arty than than like that kind of horror. But you know, slasher. Like Halloween's great, but there still is you know blood spray and you yeah. Know, whereas he's way more like no. It's not about a knife going into a body. It's about like the spirits that make people do that and. You know, and it's like it's cheeky. It's like, you know, come with me while we go on this dark hallucination. You know, we're yeah, gonna take yeah. you through a hallucination. It's not like there's only one person dies in the movie. It's like, yeah, yeah. And the the camera work too is. You're right. It's seductive. It's mm-hmm. that it's that steady cam thing where it's just like, yeah. come with me. We're gonna go somewhere. Where, I mean, you are literally being gliding yeah. along in the wake of this thing. Yeah, you're following Danny on his big wheel, which is kind yeah. of fun. And even then, when he sees the little girls, the, like the big, the big shock in the first hour is that you just turn the corner and there's something there you didn't think was gonna be there. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, like there's no sting to it. There's yeah. no shock. It's yeah. just oh, oh, okay. That's yeah. that's oh, not good. That's not good for anybody. Yeah. It's very dreamy too. I think, like him, the, even, even when they were, I was noticing when they, like just even that, the sound, obviously the famous sound of, oh, the carpet. Yeah, it's like there's something about falling asleep, hypnotic in that to me, and mm-hmm. and then uh, also when they're climbing out of that little tiny bathroom window and they're squeezing him out, and Jack's right, going yeah. in the end. They have to get through this tiny hole, and you know, Shelley Duvall's got to try to get through the tiny hole. And there's something about like escaping through a tiny hole. It's just like so. 
nightmares. Nightmares. Yeah, it's like it's being the in lack a nightmare. Of logic. Like, oh, I've got to get through here because you know. And I, I think that's that's what's most effective for me is, is like it's like a dream. It has it has a very much a dream logic and a dream, you know. And it spills. It slowly spills into dreamland too. Like it. Yeah. And then it also like it's hilarious because like the, for the first five minutes there's I don't know five horror movie tropes that come up. It's like, well there was a murder in here in 1970. There was the Donner Party that died here and they yeah. ate each other. And there was uh, there was a, uh, you know. Um, uh, we're on an Indian burial ground. That's right. <laughs> it's like, oh, an Indian burial ground. Come on. Yeah. You know, it's like ridiculous. Yeah. It's as close as the film comes to comedy. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Really. But it's sort of like, it's like, it goes, let's just get all that crap out of the way. And then we'll get on to the real stuff. Because what we're talking about is a psychotic man. Who's... But we're talking about ghosts, too. And that's where it gets... Because I like... Uh, did you see um, um, Hereditary? Yeah, yeah, horror movie. I like that because I was like, I like it when it just it. You don't know whether it's a human state. Like yeah. she's in mourning and a weird kind of mourning for a mother that she hated. So she's in this weird kind of mourning. So she's seeing things and she's thinking things and all this kind of stuff. And you can see it. And perhaps it's just somebody's going crazy. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Jack Torrance is just going crazy. And then the maker of the film, the maker of the story, says no. Yeah. He is going crazy, but he's being helped by evil forces that are here specifically to help him do it. Yeah. And it's like there's something so... If you, if you, if you can pull that off, there's something so mean. And, yeah. Yeah, know, it is. mean like, about it. It's you were like, rooting for this guy? Oh, he's screwed. There's yeah. Something, like, I'm he's sorry. And, and in fact, you know, if you think we live in a God-Devil thing, we don't. We live in the Devil's world. Yeah. And the Devil is here. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that's gonna happen. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah. I will say that's actually the thing that worked against hereditary for me because in, uh-huh. in the midpoint when it tells you what it is, yeah, it becomes less interesting. Right. Because the ambiguity was the thing that was the most disturbing. Uh-huh. If this is just a woman unconsciously doing this to herself and her family uh-huh. Uh-huh. and and not being able to recover from these body blows that she's taking yeah. emotionally, that's I mean, it's the Babadook, but it's a real powerful, simple tragedy. Yeah. And then adding, oh, well, there's also all of this stuff. I hope you've been paying attention because this right. is all going to be factoring right. in the next right, 20 right, minutes. Right. And you're like, oh, I saw that. Right. right. Okay. I know what that is. Right. 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 Um, right. You know, it's like Rosemary's right. Baby telling you what's up in the, in the, at yeah. the one hour mark instead of at the two hour mark. Right. 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 Um, not that that doesn't, not that that can't right. work. I mean, a lot of people really really liked the second half of Hereditary. Yeah, no, I, I was affected by it right to the yeah. end. I was like, no, I think it's great. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not it's great. disappointing or anything. Yeah. And, and I like what, I like the visual stuff and I like what they do. But yeah. once you tell me what's going on, I can start to figure out my yeah, own right. brain and I'm, right. Right. I'm right. going to relax instead of right. get more into it. Right. Um, the Shining, I mean, that's the beauty of The Shining is that it tells you what's going on in the first three minutes. It's, it's all in that speech. You know, here's this litany of tragedy, but I'm sure you'll be fine. Okay, and and nothing. Yeah, as yeah. you said, like it's, nothing. He's gonna watch it. How, how is it gonna? We know there's gonna be blood. Yeah, like, nothing they do matters. It's but, all gonna happen anyway. Yeah, how is it gonna happen? Yeah. Did you um, did you see uh, Ready Player One? No, I haven't is, seen that yet. This is the weird thing about Ready Player One. There, mm. there is at one point. Film is not good, mm-hmm. um, but there is at one point a virtual reality sequence where the characters enter the shining they, they go oh. into the movie not the book but there is a whole like the whole the thing is set in a a virtual reality um playland that is uh consumed by 80s trivia it's all about right. 80s movies and 80s right, television right. And, and, right. and movies specifically 
uh, pop culture references, um, characters drive DeLoreans and the car from Mad Max 2 and all that. Mm. But at one point, they have to go find a thing that is in The Shining. They rebuilt the Overlook. Right. And two hours in, it's just the movie suddenly comes to life with this weird, playful spirit of, oh, yeah, look what we can do. We can digitally recreate this thing. I mean, it's all green screen with a couple of practical pieces. Right. But it, it remind. First of all, it makes you want to go watch The Shining again because yeah. the movie you're watching hasn't been any fun. <laughs> right, right, right. But it's, you know, Spielberg paying homage to Kubrick in the weirdest uh-huh. way by uh-huh. saying, "No, no, we live in this. Like this is the world we're in yeah, now." Right, and, right, right, right. And if you recognize these textures and they, they get the film grain right, it's right. it's remarkable. Wow. But it's just an empty effect ultimately. Right. right. Um, but it's it's just that weird moment of. Oh, they're gonna do it. They're actually gonna but, pay this off. Are you suggesting that he he's suggesting that this is part of our collective psyche, The Shining, as as a particular example of I like so, vision yeah. as part of our collective psyche? Well, he's psyche, you know he's a huge paranoia or... fan of Kubrick's work and and, right. and knew him and made AI based on his on Kubrick's screenplay as an extension uh-huh. and all of that. And this is his chance to, I think, consciously say, "I'm not as good as this guy," right? Because right. for two hours I've been trying to make this thing come to life, and right. now you feel something. Right. Because we're in his movie, right? right, right and I, I'd love to ask him if it was deliberate. Right. I'm sure you take it as an insult, but yeah. uh, but it's fascinating <laughs> like, because yeah. it it should not work. Yeah. Like it's the whole film is about slavish recreation, and suddenly you're in this recreation of something that was so clearly one person's design and and bespoke mm-hmm. 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 to Kubrick specifications that it becomes really interesting to yeah. take it apart conceptually. Yeah. And the twins are there, and the. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you ever see Jack Torrance, but there's somebody running around. Right. And it's kind of ingenious, right. ultimately. I saw it about right. like a full year ago, and it's the one scene from that movie that really resonates uh-huh. with me. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, but and it's just about how stuff gets into you, gets into the viewer, and won't let go. Yeah, right. Right, and, right. Yeah. So, like, um, he. Sh- Kubrick shot it, he had his. Uh, Pinewood Studio was his studio. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I think they, he took it over for. And this. it was his own place, basically. He could just um, he could do whatever he wanted there, kind of thing. Well, he the way he could shoot for that long. Yeah, I think everybody just got out of his way and let him do whatever he wanted. Pinewood's where they shot, you know, the bond. They had a bond stage, a dedicated oh, okay. stage. Okay. It wasn't. He didn't own it. Or he didn't own it. Okay. I think he had a, a chunk, right, for him, or maybe it was Elstree or Shepperton. But wherever it was, it was, you know, like you don't interfere. Right. He'll he'll be there as long right. as he wants to. Right. Right. I know it was the it wasn't the same place that he used for Full Metal Jacket, where he built an entire like a Vietnamese town outside an abandoned factory. Uh-huh. But it, this was like sound stages in proper yeah. proper space. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he was there, yeah, as long as he wanted, because yeah. you just you know he was royalty. You don't yeah. tell him no. Yeah, yeah. What was it? What was his film before The Shining? Barry Lyndon. Oh, was Barry Lyndon? Yeah, just four years earlier. And what was this film before that? Clockwork Orange? Uh, no, Clockwork Orange. Where was Clockwork Orange? Yeah, I think it was. 71. 71. 71 and then 76. And then it was Dr. Strangelove. 63. Oh, way earlier. Yeah, or 64. It was released like end oh, of 63, yeah, beginning of 64. way earlier, yeah. Yeah. No, he had... I mean, there's nobody else who's had a run like that. I mean... Because when I was a teenager, I was into Stanley Kubrick. I was like, oh, what's this Barry Lyndon? And I started to watch it, and I turned it off. Yeah, it's the I least... Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't care about this. It's the least Kubrickian film. Yeah. At least on its surface. Right. And then you watch it as an adult. Like, I so it's experience. worth seeing that, because I'll, I'll yeah. watch it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um... It is way too long. 
Right. I think it's three hours plus. Uh-huh. Uh, and it is far too mannered. Uh-huh. But once you understand... Uh, it took me, I would say, 20 years to figure out Ryan O'Neill wasn't miscast. When right. I saw it as a kid, it was just, I mean, I was like 18 or 19. I, I saw uh-huh. it at the Bloor, and it was interminable. It right. was just, oh, why am I still here? This right. movie won't stop. This right. guy is American. What's happening? Right. It's not. Like he, he wasn't selling it. Right. And then you realize it's about someone who is pretending. Right. And so it's perfect. Right. Like he, Ryan O'Neill is actually great. I just gave him no credit. Right. Right. Uh, for the self-awareness of his performance. Oh, and then, interesting. Yeah, you can unlock a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. But you have to... Like you have to be older. You have to have lived a little bit and dealt with imposter syndrome once or twice. And, right, right, right. And I guess maybe get a better understanding for costume drama because I certainly uh-huh. didn't appreciate it at the time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and now, of all things, the favorite has has put it into context because oh yeah, they're very very similar visually. I mean, Yorgos Lanthimos is doing it in homage really to Barry Lyndon. Yeah, just the choice of lens and the way he right. shoots things. Right, right, right. There's a a proscenium aspect to it mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it, it's I think now is probably the best time hmm. to watch Barry Lyndon cool. if you haven't seen it in a while well, I will. I will. but it is the outlier it's the one film of his where that now Eyes Wide Shut which is it feels like a Kubrick film more than Barry Lyndon does right but it's very silly yeah <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut was not a was, a was a disappointment yeah I don't think you can I mean, there are I people who, say it, but there are people who <laughs> defend it. But. Yeah, but no, not 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 the greatest of Kubrick's stuff. Yeah, I think it's. I think they're seeing a movie that isn't the movie on the screen. Yeah, right. Right. right, um, right. Somebody said, I wish I can remember who said this because it's a beautiful line. Some dismissed it as saying, uh, "It's the work of a man who hasn't left his house in twenty years." Right. Might have been William Goldman actually. It sounds like him. <laughs> right, right, right. But it was just like this is what you get when you're a recluse. Yeah. You think that the world is having better parties than you. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's all just about the desire to be part of something that you can't enter. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, really. And uh, yeah, The Shining was there was this, and then there was Full Metal Jacket, and then nothing for twenty years. Yeah, it's amazing. There's nothing between The Shining and Full Metal Jacket. I don't think so. No, seven years. Amazing. He was just aging into uh, aging into being an old weird guy. Yeah. Because I liked Full Metal Jacket, but I didn't feel it like, didn't feel it like The Shining. I didn't feel like The Shining or Clockwork Orange or Strange Love. You know, there wasn't a yeah. I quite know what was going. Like I, I liked it. I liked it. I enjoyed. It. I thought about. it. I saw a few times. Loved the soundtrack, but there wasn't. It, it, I didn't. I didn't get the switch. The two acts. I didn't yeah, get. It the feels switch, like it peaks an hour in, right? Yeah. The big emotional catharsis yeah. is 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 the, the boot camp. Is the death of Pyle. Yeah. And then kind of go like, okay, so we're still going. Maybe that's the point, but I'm not quite feeling it like, you know, it's not, it's not kind of punching me the way. Yeah. The rest of his movies who kind of have a big climax. You know? yeah. <laughs> like a long, yeah, well, well-earned well climax. You well, know? Like, The Shining has the, like, it's the only one of his films that feels like a ride when, by the time it's over because that's yeah. like, that maze sequence is so intense and so yeah. beautifully choreographed yeah. that it really feels like there's a momentum. Yeah. Uh, that isn't present even in 2001 where I love the Stargate sequence but it stops the film yeah like it's not scary anymore it's not yeah. the, the tensions are settled now we're onto this new act yeah this new yeah, movement yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but The Shining is just screaming all the way to the end yeah yeah it with really a, is yeah with an intensity he like even Clockwork Orange because of the music and the archness of it all it doesn't have that same kind of it's a different kind of visceral feeling yeah. it's, it's more about revulsion than about yeah. excitement yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting it, for sure. 
But yeah, The Shining is pretty much a non-stop uh, maniac ride, for yeah. sure. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And here we are with the slightly awkward question, given the movie that we're I, you know, technically trying to, pr- to promote the oh, film, sure. yeah, film that you right, have right. opening. Oh, right, that one. Yeah, <laughs> is there anything of, of the film that you've used or, or borrowed or stolen or lifted other than the Scatman Crothers death scene uh, performance? <laughs> is there a way? Have you worked it into your own creative DNA? Um... I ha- I have I mean, uh, not in that not in my performance in uh, Audience of Chairs. That's probably about as far from yeah. as far from Jack Torrance as you can yeah, get. You're far more understanding and you're a better listener. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's that was a nice it's a nice character to play. It's a really nice character to play. <laughs> but uh, I was interested in horror for a long time. Still am. And I I, I that first play that I wrote that was uh, the Grand Guignol was. Mm-hmm. I was I kind of, I, I, I liked thinking of Kubrick, uh, borrowing from Kubrick in the sense that I want to have no um, shyness about my uh, attempt, whatever I'm trying to attempt. I don't want it to be qualified in some way by a false um, sensitivity. Okay. I want it to be like, like, what I like about The Shining is that it's efficient. <laughs> it's efficient and it's built well and it's, 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 Argument proof. I mean, everything that it builds itself, and it goes towards something inevitable, and it's hor- it's horrifying because it it doesn't try to get away, get out of, the, doesn't try to make excuses for itself. Right. So when I write, I try I try to do that. I try to be. This is what I want to have happen, and regardless of what anybody says, that's what's going to happen, and we'll see how it works. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have my first uh, direct uh, directorial debut coming out for a film too. Which oh, is, I didn't know. Yeah, which is not official yet, but it's going to be at the Canadian Film Festival. It's called Pond Life, it's based on a play that I wrote. Oh, I, yeah, but, I remember um, the play. Yeah, it was a, it was a while ago, but we we did we I wanted to make a movie, and I thought that would be the funnest one to make into a low budget movie. So <laughs> that's coming out soon. But that and it's hard because you can't say well. Yeah, I borrow from Kubrick. <laughs> of course, everybody borrows yeah, from sure. Kubrick. Everybody tries to have like a nice symmetrical shot and goes, "Oh yeah, look at that." It's totally <laughs> Kubrick. Or put some music over something. But uh, certainly, I, I I love them and I love the, the Shining and the Shining and Doctor Strange Love are probably my two favorite movies of his. Yeah, because uh, they're funny too. Yeah, and I was going to say they're really. I was my know, first response is they're so different, but they're actually not. They're about they're, they're, the they're, end of everything. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I, last time I watched Strange Love was in two thousand and one, so I still have it on these three Blu-rays I got on, you know, with. Uh, but it was after uh, September eleventh. It was not long after September eleventh. Everybody's going, "Who's Osama bin Laden and who's Al Qaeda and do they have nuclear weapons?" And sure enough, I think it was the. The review played Doctor Strange Love, and I said to Jeannie, who's now my wife, my girlfriend, and I was like, "We got to go see it." <laughs> and it was the most—it's like it was the best kind of hysterical, nervous laughter throughout it, you know, because yeah. he, you know, he's serious. That's a serious movie, <laughs> and the 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 comedy is massive, and hilarious, and broad, and slapstick. I mean, stuff in the war room is just like, I mean, you know, it's it's farce. Yeah. But it's frightening because the content, the subject matter, is so frightening. Yeah. And then you look at The Shining, and it's like, well, Shining's not necessarily funny, but it is sometimes funny. And it's funny when Jack Torrance makes jokes when he's in the middle of his frenzy and he's just flowering in insanity. Yeah. He's like, you know, starts doing the three little pigs rhyme. And stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can't help but laugh. You know, you can't help. It's, it's, I like that. Uh, 
I like when you can be pushed into hysteria like that as an audience member, you know? Yeah. Well, even the Here's Johnny moment lands, mm-hmm. like, it's disturbing as hell because of yeah. the way it's framed. But he is making a Tonight Show reference, which, <laughs> you know, it doesn't land now the way it used to, I'm sure. Yeah. But I, yeah. at the time, it's like, yeah, that's that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> that's really horrible. He's torturing, because that, you know, traditionally the Tonight Show was the thing that couples fell asleep to together. Yeah. He's torturing her with a memory that they had. Yeah. And Yeah. 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 And, and and he plays it so I mean Nicholson plays it so big too like even when he's he's it's sort of uh, you know he's at the door when he's trying to push open the door and he's trying to plead with her and he's yeah. like I think you really hurt me and he's kind of doing this like really broad acting kind of and then he, and then he fails at fooling his wife because yeah. it's such a bad acting job and then he kind of laughs it off and then he just you know it's just uh, again it's like there's something delicious about it. Yeah. There's something that's so fun about it, but it's also totally horrible. That's kind of, that's what I would like to think that I'm influenced from Kubrick by with whatever I do. Is that there's something fun about it, but there's always something horrible about yeah. it too. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy yourself, but you're not getting out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember the thing that was going around the the, the urban myth that was going around at the time that we were watching was we were watching on a VHF, VHS and watching each other's basement stuff and we say you know what I think he did at the beginning I heard that he had taped the sounds of a slaughterhouse and he played it super quietly over that first um, you know the helicopter shot coming yeah. up so you just feel a subliminal suggestion everybody's in subliminal suggestion in right. the 80s we were like oh my god a subliminal suggestion we'd be here animals dying and we're watching this thing mm-hmm. and I've listened to it I've listened to it listen like no no there's no animals in there no. <laughs> that's just good composition you know yeah it's some weird atmospheric stuff it is. There's that thing that's going on over yeah. uh, Symphony Fantastique, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that, as with so many of the classical pieces he's used in his films, that movie broke Symphony Fantastique. Yeah. I can't hear that anywhere yeah. without this yeah, yeah, clenching yeah. sense of dread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the point yeah. where other filmmakers have used it. It's like you shouldn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah. That's you, can't, you can't really do it. Yeah. yeah. And I remember, too, because I, I was watching it this time, too, and I thought, oh, this music sounds very different from what I... I remember it being way, like, deeper, dark, Basier, yeah. Basier, but I thought, no, it's not. I think it's a synthesizer. I think he's playing it on a Moog or something. I wouldn't like, be surprised. There's something, there's something chintzy about it. There's something, like, Kubricky about it. Something that 60s kind of bad British synth like, <laughs> you know like yeah. whatever it is but I was like oh, I have to, my memory of it is so much more intense than the actuality of it yeah. which is another thing that the best horror movies do right? yeah. they, they live in you forever and they, yeah. they kind of pull at you when yeah. you're not expecting it they become bigger in your mind mm. yeah definitely does that that's interesting now I can't think about that blood scene without thinking about it being done in a miniature <laughs> of course it was a miniature <laughs> I would never have thought I was like how did they do it I could totally see him doing it. It was uh, Peter Jackson was boasting about the volume of blood they used for uh, uh, Brain Dead the, uh-huh. in '92, and I I want to say he compared it to The Shining, but I think that might have just been everybody else. Right. It's like well, it's like The Shining, right? And he'd quietly just sit back and go, knowing that it was a miniature. He's like, nah. Yeah. 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 You don't need that much blood. You just need enough to really make an impact. Yeah. Yeah. And they go back to it as well. And they go back to it. The blood's going off the pane, off the window, off the window pane in front of the camera. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they kind of just wanted to use that B-roll a bit at the end yeah, of the movie. Splashing up and down again. Yeah. Oh, God, that's gross. Yeah. And then there's that weird, there's a really scary moment when the hag comes out of the 
bathtub. And that all plays out, and, and you know, Torrance is freaking out, and and Danny's freaking out, and uh, and then they flash back to a scene that they didn't use, which was just her in the tub, and kind of rising up mm-hmm. very slowly. But it's it's in you know it's out of sequence, but it's still is like it's like a hallucination or something. It's kind of brilliantly yeah. inserted in that. Well, the way that Danny's shining is presented to us is is more like feeling and understanding, right? Like uh-huh. he doesn't, and maybe that's part of it. He doesn't know how to process what he's yeah, seeing. Yeah, right. I'm I'm thinking about the sixth sense now, which is like the direct descendant right, of right, that right. element of the shining, mm-hmm. where you have a kid with profound power who doesn't actually know what to do with it, yeah, or how to un- how to interpret what he's seeing, yeah, and that. Because it puts us in Danny's head in the movie, it's more disturbing for us. Because if we understood, you know, like the idea is, if you're watching mm. over and over again, you see movies with kids in them, and you understand what's going on because you, you're an adult and you've lived the experience. We don't have that here. We can't. We can empathize yeah. with him, but we can't help. We can't. You know, we can't get ahead of it. We're just in it with him, yeah. which is a great way of conveying that. And, yeah. and King in the novel. Um, would just insert the shining with um, in sort of brackets with italicized text uh-huh. of the idea or whatever the thing was that was going on but he wouldn't describe it he would just throw in these flashes right. of so it's like it's like he's having a dream it's like he's yeah having, kind of internal like dialogue bits of dreams that he sees and snatches and glimpses yeah. yeah and Kubrick found a way to do that that's actually more disturbing because yeah. we can't control we can't look away from the screen right yeah. you can't you can put a book down yeah uh, but yeah. the shining is that thing where the you yeah. know you, you really need to see it in a dark room with the doors locked yeah 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 yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, just watching trauma be born. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My thanks to Gord Rand, whose directorial debut *Pond Life* makes its world premiere on Friday, March twenty-second, at the Canadian Film Fest in Toronto. The same day, an audience of chairs opens across Canada. Thanks also to Suzanne Sheridan. She knows what she did. You can find Gord on Twitter at Gord Rand, all one word, and you can find The Shining on Blu-ray and DVD from Warner Home Entertainment. It's also available on iTunes and Google Play. Also, I double-checked and Kubrick shot the whole thing at EMI Elstree Studios in Hertfordshire. I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing that. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at nowtoronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. If you feel like leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps. It truly does. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening. I'm afraid you just too darn loud.